recording really right let's go two pts one podcast in one room yeah first time ever we are on episode 31 and today we are going to be discussing cues uh, we might get a bit confusing between looking there and looking at each other so it's like you're the third person here so we are going to be going into a bit of in-depth conversation about the use of cues and i think more of the level of cues because yeah. even the other day we just yeah, discussed visual like actual physical and like hearing it yeah just the application of it mm. i will say from the bounce you look a hell of a lot better on a camera screen than you do in real life so uh we might not do this all the time i look slightly bigger though on this one so it's fine right. <laughs> everything about me is not to normal size i'm usually massive <laughs> definitely not so for me the the use of cues and the amount of cues will be down to the exercise and the actual client that I have, whether it's a beginner or someone advanced, but even then, it's the actual scale of what I'll use. And if someone's coming in and doing like a deadlift in comparison to like a lap pull round, obviously it's completely different movements, but the actual amount of cues and the use of the cues. So we said even the other day about using like comedic cues. Yeah, I mean, like the use of cues is always going to be specific to like person person like what one thing will might work for another might work for someone else then might not even work for someone at all and stuff like that so it all all comes down to even even like the relationship you have with the client or person to survive but we all have our like fan favorites oh, yeah. so like when it's like deadlift it was like right push the floor down imagine someone's grabbing you by the scruff of the neck and drying you up then there are common cues that you will hear that trainers will commonly use because it makes a hell of a lot of sense to use them. But then sometimes like you'll have a good relationship with a client or they'll just understand your kind of terminology and you'll use some different stuff. So for example, when it comes to let's say a lateral raise, I use break and forget. Yeah. Which is it, I remember when you looked at me and you just thought, What fucking idiot? Like who comes up with something like that? But it's it makes a lot of sense. And now like I get videos sent to me of people forgetting, like a French forget and doing like a lateral raise. But it makes a lot of sense, like in that kind of sense. Um, so it could be as proper as you want to be or as silly as you want to be. So the idea of a cue is ideally just getting you to do the movement that we want to do correctly. So it shortens the distance between the actual movement and the vocabulary that is used to actually do it. Because like I've actually gone into the consideration of just being doing actual movements with a client, but then actually watching them do it first. Because movements like the deadlift are so complex that if they've done it before and they know the general gist of it, I'm not going to come in and be like, right, here's ten different cues that we need to put in no. straight away. Like we're going to see what is actually in there and implemented that's actually correct, and then make the tweaks to what we need to, but then break it in like week by week. Obviously, making sure that they're not going to get injured because they're doing yeah. something that bad, then I'd just completely regress the movement. Yeah. But even still, like, we all get into that bad habit of we might teach someone completely new a new movement, and then we give them six or seven new cues to think about. And then you can see in the head, they're just like, you can see math symbols just coming out of their eyes and stuff like that. It's, it doesn't help out. So, like, I try to limit as much as I possibly can to all cue wins. Yeah. So, maybe two or three at first, see how they are with that. Because obviously, like, let's say it's a row, I'm looking, there are loads of different things I'm going to be looking at. 
So I might see like, right, are they even actually in a good position to row? Are they then maybe putting their shoulders in the right position? Are they putting their elbows into the right position? Are they engaging a muscle when they're doing it? There's all that to consider, right? So if I'm putting, and that's my level of thinking, to a client, they just want to row. Yeah. Like, if I just put that kind of thinking on them, it's going to confuse the hell out of it because they don't think the exercise is the same as me. Like, you'll know, when, like you've spoken to me so many times, how many times when you've asked me a question, and instead of answering it straight, I've just gone around the houses. That's what I'm like with clients because I almost reverse engineer everything that I can say to get to a point. But that might take half an hour when really the answer is one word. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just how I work and it's how I try to teach all my clients to work. Um, that, that, I think that's the biggest word, teach. It's not just the implementation of just saying shoulder back. It's like understanding why we do the shoulder back and how that's going to relate to the actual movement as yeah. a whole. There's no point just being like, oh yeah, we're going to do this. It might not make sense and you're just going to be like, but I'm rowing. Why does yeah. it matter where the shoulder is in this position? Like, everything. Yeah. If we're doing that, are we in the best position to then go and start the row again because we're going to get like this? Yeah. Like, joint position matters when it comes to muscle, uh, muscle activation. Like, but without going so much on that topic, it, the whole point of cueing is to get the right intent for the exercise. So a good exercise I can think of the bat is a, um, a death drop to a drop jump. Like two different exercises. So two completely the same movement where you're coming off a box and you're pretty much trying to land on the ground and then jump back up. But they've got two different intents. One is you're trying to get as much output as you possibly can, so you're staying longer on the ground, creating more force to repel yourself as high as you can, obviously that being obviously death jumps. And then drop jumps is how quickly can you get yourself on the ground, react and spring yourself up. So how quickly can you apply that force? So it's, there's that consideration of that as well as to part, but I think if you're someone who's very new to movements in general and like, we're teaching you a hinge, for example. Uh, it's a very complicated thing. So the best thing to do is start off with familiarising them what it kind of does. So like, right, you do this movement in a way when you're sitting down. Like, yeah. this is a safer way of doing it when you're leaning over. You don't want to lean over like this. You try to lean over like this. Um, and explain to them, like, when they, if they maybe not get it straight away and stuff like Like, remember, a lot of stuff we're doing in the gym as much as we're trying to apply it to get a better advance within life, we don't particularly put that intent into everyday movement. Like the seated arm, again, we'll use that as an example. Like whoever hinges themselves back in a nice controlled manner to sit down, I don't, I flop on the ground. I'm just like, yeah, like, yeah. I'm just going to get myself into that seat, comfy down, get through, and away I go. Like there's so much to consider about movement and I was having this conversation with another client of mine the other day and it's like a lot of these so-called rules that we have within training are made up by us. Our mm. body doesn't know these rules. Our body doesn't have a clue why like, why we want to get into this position. Yeah, there, there's there's formats, there's reasons why we do it. There's studies that have shown like, right, doing a row in this position and doing it into that position changes the ultimate result. But things like squat depth, like mobility, stability and stuff like that like there's some some of the things in that is man-made and it's no wonder that so many people get confused when it even comes to stuff like that well funnily enough i was going to bring in 
like the use of our terminology because like I'm I'm very 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 guilty of like using big words to a set to a sense that that's what I know but then also to the fact that like I forget that sometimes people don't understand what I mean when I actually say it so like even I did a prone cobra with a client the other day and it's like realistically the position is quite weird but if you explained it in the way that you literally just you turn your thumbs out your shoulders go backwards yeah. I'm not going to be like oh they extremely rotate but the, the, the name the board. prone cobra like just, I mean the moment on which you said cobra you just think of snake yeah. it's just like but then what <laughs> yeah and we all fall down in this as coaches like we've got to realise at times that we're not our clients we live in their environment of fitness so we apply ourselves to doing everyday things and almost we because we, we talk to other coaches about it and stuff like that, we get into that language very easily mm-hmm. so then when we're talking to Brenda and stuff like that who have got like grandchildren and just wants to move better because her hips been killing her like she's not going to understand terms like that um, so it's just really good to be able to get into a, such a basic level of cueing that really benefits them but as well it benefits me because I can't say things anything more than three syllables so um, it's a win for me really I've literally gone through cues and it's like it's all well and good telling it and demonstrating it but the client doesn't move potentially how me and you would move yeah. so I've done a sit up with a client or an isometric sit up and it's like yeah the cue's great but like they don't know the distance they see you do the distance but they're just like what does that mean for me yeah. and I've literally gone in the back extension like this and this needs to be around like this and then we're moving through that point yeah. physically going to the client and being like this is the point that we're actually moving around yeah and that's another point cueing like there's verbal cueing um, but there's also just making sure my screen stays on board there um, but there's also like physical touch which is also a cue as well like that mind muscle connection people I know we're going back to a row because it just makes some sense but people going to a row like they haven't engaged that lap before some people don't have a clue but that's there Yeah. so when they're just rowing they row with their arms but then when you tell them to like right Imagine squeezing like a newspaper in between your arms and rubbing it. Like, do that and then point it at the muscle you're working at and engaging it through that. They're like, right, I'm starting to get it now. I've, I've even used the application of putting a bit more force through the elbow. Obviously, I was doing cable row, so like you'll have it pitch them, etc. But going through the application of being like, right, what I want is a force being applied here. Yeah, exactly. If you're watching a video. <laughs> um, then actually, like, are we driving this in the way we want to and are we actually just not actually putting the force in and we're wasting it in other points and it's not until the client's like oh actually I feel that and I have to go through the conversation of being like I, I literally sometimes at the end of the sets just go yeah because I don't know what goes on inside a client I don't know what they feel like I'll, I'll to a certain extent I'll see like muscles moving and operating but I can't physically be in there knowing how the movement feels for them, if they're comfortable or uncomfortable. If they're really uncomfortable, I'll see it on the face. And if they're fatiguing, I'll see it on the face. Yeah, but I've had, <laughs> I, even I've had some clients where they look like they're on the near drop of death. And they're just like, I, I ask them like, <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, how, how, how hard was that for you? I'm going to survive. I probably can go a little bit more away. So I'm like, <laughs> you it looked like your head was about to blow off, mate. <laughs> you made it look completely the opposite. But then the vice versa, like people look easy and they'll come up to me and go, 
And even even like Q and Q's not always awesome from coaches to clients, it's vice versa. Like they can the it's a few areas, it's communication and communication is massively important within training. Yeah. Um, the communication you have with yourself and the communication you have with people around you and stuff like that. So if you are working with another personal trainer, another coach or something like that, like make them aware, make them really aware of what you're like, stuff like that. If you're trying to get a row and trying to engage lat or anything like that, but you can't, but you're feeling your front shoulder, tell him that. Yeah. Or tell her that. But it's like it's like injuries as well. It's like I've never broken a bone. Like but I'm so I'm not gonna know how that's gonna apply in terms of a pain or even if it's to something that's been two year old injury. Yeah. Until a client physically tells me. Obviously, I'll work to the best capability in terms of programming and actually doing the work to make sure that they're in, getting the best results with the least amount of pain. But I don't know what goes on like in the joints, in the mm. muscles, in your own head, because we could even get down to the perception of like how you deem pain and fatigue. Because it's like the David Goggins forty percent, isn't it? It's like yeah, when, when you think you're at the end, you're actually only about forty percent. But then. Is that even the case just because he told us, or is it something that's actually believable? Mm. But like, it's you hear so many stories about it, like people breaking limitations, even though they're physically on the edge of like their pain limit. Mm-hmm. Um, what their pain limit? That's what it. It's, it's very individual and stuff. Yeah. I like my the way I handle pain will be completely different hand to yours. We'll all have trigger points, like. I'll feel like, for example, some people who can feel hamstring burn like with a and be like, well, oh, fuck it about it. Mm. And they'll come to me and I'll, I'll just like whip about it. I'll cry from the moment I do any kind of Nordics. And pretty much most of my clients who <laughs> do Nordics with me don't enjoy it one little bit as well. But there's some people who are just like, yeah, I'm not bothered by it. Um, and it's also, what are they used to? So it's funny that we're saying cues as in what we're doing to prep a client to do an exercise, but it's also the cues of actually giving feedback after an exercise which could then affect the cues of the future. next exercise yeah because it's like if you're doing it's, it's constantly you know. evolving and the levels of cues as well is going to be completely different from person to person like you might come in with your first session and be like right i just want you to imagine you pressing the floor down mm. but then someone who's been training for years and stuff it's like right i want you to externally rotate your hip dorsiflect the ankle and push drive down like it's well, too yeah <laughs> like you're looking at me like dorsi what um but that's it it's good it's different to person to person stuff like that so without blubbering on about it is it's very important it's it's yeah extremely important that you get that language sorted out and stuff like that well me and zach spoke about it because i mean this is the saturday after we recorded some videos last saturday and we were about it's like yeah there might be certain terminologies that we use that might be too basic for some people <laughs> and too advanced for other people so it's quite it's quite a big window and you've got like the two circles and you've got to try and find that middle ground where it yeah. over and, and that middle ground hard. changes and develops over time and stuff yeah. like that so it's all well and good having no trip down like i'm starting all mine up now but i know that certain times i might have to be like Add a little bit more just so the client gets the understanding of it yeah just because they might be like 
oh, well, I don't feel this in my lap. I feel it like more in my shoulder. I'm like, oh, so it's definitely not right. But then that's when we get like the feedback response. Like mm. we said earlier, it's like if it's to a certain extent, if we were doing a one to one, obviously that was discussed in online kind of class, but but a one to one basis, we know and we can see be like, oh, the children are coming round, so we're actually getting in an uncomfortable position, whereas we're not resetting and actually doing the row. Yeah. And that's when you're like, oh, I actually feel this in my rear doubt more than my lap. I wonder why. Yeah. Do you see exactly. this? Uncom- and then if you record it back, like I'll do that a lot, and I'll record a set for a client, not for like my own benefit, like to post it online, just so they can see, and like little tools of like putting. I think vi- I think visual cueing is a massive one. Mm. Uh, we've talked about the physical touch of the word or whatever, but actually seeing yourself perform a movement. Because it, it puts yourself in a bit more perspective. And seeing, seeing you from like the eyes of the first person, like once you see yourself more in a third person, and you start seeing things like, yeah, I probably could try this or I could try that, or, oh, yeah, maybe the ways I'm looking is forcibly wanting to go into that direction. It's, yeah, it, it just changes the whole perspective of all the stuff like that. So even just recording yourself doing an exercise. To a certain extent, you might not even know you're doing it wrong. Because, like, I've done tricks before where I've got, like, a resistance band. And, like, on the leg press, if they're lifting the glutes up, yeah. I'll, like, get them to physically sit on it and then apply a bit of tension. And then they will know that they have to keep their hips and yeah. glutes pinned down. And if that band comes out, they know something's wrong. And then the same with, like, doing a squat. I'll put bands under the heels, not to, like, an extent where it's going to throw them off. But if they're, like, internally rotating or externally rotating and the tension comes off where the band is, they know, oh... Something's not right there, so I need to physically like be aware of how I'm moving and use something like a video to be like, oh, this is what I'm doing wrong. Yeah, and sometimes like even as coaches, we'll just miss something. It'll just yeah. be like a split second where like either the spine's moved or the pelvis has moved or something else has moved, and we've just missed it completely. I think it's just important to consider that obviously the considerations of fatigue and everything else that's going to happen within a set is also going to be a cue that be like. If we get to a point and we're doing a deadlift and then we're like really solid of our upper body, like chest up, shoulders back, and then we get to the end and we're like, oh, fatiguing a little bit, and we do this. Yeah, it's gonna happen if you're fatiguing. Yeah, but also as well, like even regarding with a deadlift and stuff, I like we haven't got composed to our lower limbs, we haven't got as much muscle mass up top compared to down there. They're all smaller individual muscles compared to like quadriceps and hamstrings so there's that to consider as well like there will be weaker points within people to people so that's being aware of that but i think the best way to get you to understand more when it comes to cueing and um understanding everything is knowing the movement itself understanding how things move um obviously i'm not asking the client to get the anatomy board out and learn the four bloody muscles of a quad or something like that or so far but having a better understanding of how your body works will ultimately indicate how you move and stuff like that. How your body works, not how the body works as well. But we, like Yeah, said, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very specific. Like, I think someone came up to me and stuff like that and uh, they were doing, I think it's a detoxy where, what's the word where someone will actually go and see someone where they've had the shin, like, skin shredded off them and stuff like that and They've seen the actual inset of a muscle. Obviously, if a dead person, obviously. Oh, I'll say like yeah, oh, just like a cadaver or something. Yeah, something like yeah. that. And then they were like, "This guy hasn't got a pick mine." So 
obviously we're not going to hundred percent know ever until someone like opens us up to go right. Well, this is the way that your your bodies are. Um, yeah, you're hundred percent. Your body's made and stuff like that. But understanding again, just the the general principle of how a body kind of moves gives it better. But you are right. It is pretty much how your body moves. Like people have different limb length. People have like um, different bone structures, different muscle length, all that kind of stuff. And it's again, it's it's not something that we're gonna hundred percent know unless again we cut ourselves open and find out that way. Which I, I hope you guys don't do. Um, but if it, it was one thing I'd probably say to take away from this podcast is just kind of just take the time to learn the movement yeah. and how that implicates into how the body moves and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, without kind of going on about it, I think we've pretty much covered everything we wanted to talk about when it comes to Q. I guess 20 minutes? Pretty much, we'll find out in a bit. But yes, guys, if you've enjoyed this episode of the Two PCs One podcast, um, I know it's a short one, but we wanted to get straight to the point for a bit. Um, also, as well, if you like this format where we're face to face and we're talking to each other like a conversation, don't look at me like that. <laughs> um, then let us know and stuff like that, and we'll try to get a little bit more face to face. We are trying to get a little bit more people on board so we can have different perspective on the podcast instead of just listen to us two babber on like so round table format. round table and stuff like that so that might be interesting and stuff but right guys if you guys have listened to this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts make sure you give it five stars with any type of reviews um, hopefully positive and if you're on the YouTube channel if you've listened to the video um, make sure you give a like and share but yeah hope you guys enjoyed the episode and we'll see you in the next one peace out